Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. This morning's scripture reading is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So that you may know how I am and how, what I am doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you. I am very grateful to be here. I love this church. You have so many wonderful things taking place. I love your preachers. Glenn and Paul are friends of mine, and I appreciate them very much. Only thing is, I wish Paul would, uh, wouldn't be such a Debbie Downer, you know? He just, just never seems to be anywhere but down in the dumps. <clears throat> Boy, what a spark plug. Uh, we need a whole bunch of Pauls. The work that the elders are doing overseeing the congregation is obvious in everything that you're doing. It is truly a blessing to our community, thankful for what you do. The only thing I'm not happy about in regard to this congregation is that you are keeping all of the good singers right here. Uh, Oh boy, I love good singing, and you all have lots of folks who sing so well and lead so well. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a part of your work in some very small way. And I've enjoyed the weekend with you. We've talked about growing in God's wisdom. We've talked about growing in forgiveness. During this period of time, we'll talk about growing the body together in love. In March of 2020, one of the strangest periods of world history began. An outbreak of a disease happened. It wasn't a war. It wasn't a a volcanic eruption. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't an outbreak of tornadoes. It was a virus. But historically, there will be many, many things written about the period of time that happened and the things that took place regarding this unimaginable change in our world. Almost overnight, universities shut down their campuses, sent students home. Businesses shut down their work, sent their workers home. Governments closed down the country. The economic toll of what took place beginning in March of 2020 will take perhaps decades, if ever, to fully calculate out what kind of impact it had. 
It changed us as people. And interestingly enough, I suspect it would have been absolutely unimaginable had someone asked the question six months before or a year before, is there anything that could possibly cause churches across the country, across the world, to close down? They just said, no, there's no power, there's no force, there's no government, there's no threat, there's no persecution that could cause us to quit. Paul would say, be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall. We did close. Now, I know we continued our worship services as good as we could with the virtual connections and all, but and our businesses and our schools and our economics, our economies, and yes, our churches are still struggling with the challenges of what it meant when we were separated from one another. We stopped that fellowship bond. You know, chances are, when you think about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, verse 25 especially, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You think, of, oh, that's that, that's that scripture about we got to go to church. Well, the verse before, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Let us stir one another unto love and good works. Why? Because this builds up the church. Did you really understand the concept of fellowship before we suddenly were unable to gather together? Just the, the simple process of, of getting together. But set that aside and hold that, that idea in your mind. But I want to move to another one. I want to read together, you with me, from your Bible, from Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11 and following. And he gave himself some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying means to build up. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom... The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, when Paul wrote those words to the church in Ephesus, and he described that process, what God had done through whom? Well, you said we just read it through the, through the apostles and the evangelists and the elders and through whom? 
What do you mean through whom? We, we just had the list. It was through people. People. What we missed when the economy was shut down, when they closed our businesses, when they closed our schools, when they closed, when we closed our churches, we missed the people. And all of the things that are about us, the the body is made up of people. And to grow the body is to focus on people. I want to give you three observations as we reflect on this concept and we spend some time exploring these ideas. Number one, people celebrate. People. I grew up in the, in the age when Christopher Columbus was a hero. I understand that that's not the case always in, in present history books in some classroom, but Christopher Columbus, talk about the great explorers of the world and what they did. And we know some of these names of of those who did these things, Magellan and others, and and their exploits and their work and their their expanding of the knowledge of our world and their, their fearless leadership in going to places that we can't even imagine. Some of you may have imagined yourself with Shackelford exploring places where no other human had ever been, or at least that we know of, and we celebrate those things. George Washington. I really can't imagine George Washington. I know the name. I know some of the things about him. I've seen pictures of him painted. But what a man. The, the, the place that he holds in our country and the work that was done through him for our nation, it, it's really hard to imagine. Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln. You go out onto the Washington Mall in Washington, D.C., and you see these, these structures that, are, that have been raised up to celebrate these people and... And they were people. They were just individuals. And everything that is there is, is just about them. And when you think about the early church, what comes to mind? You know, when I think about the early church, I don't think about Rome. I don't think about Corinth. I don't think about Philippi. I don't think about Thessalonica. I think about Barnabas. I think about Peter. I think about Stephen. I think about Saul who became Paul. I think about Stephen and James and John and From the book of Colossians, chapter 4. Let's start reading in verse 7. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. 
with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and for those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. You know what Paul is doing as he writes us the conclusion of this book? He is celebrating people. I know that sometimes it's easier to celebrate programs and talk about things and accomplishments over people because you start talking about one person, then you say, well, I, then you have to mention them all. I'm grateful to have been here and heard the prayer of my good friend James Andrews a few moments ago and heard him call the names of so many people to raise up to God as together we had a time of prayer. People celebrate people, number one. Number two, people mourn people. Houston, Cape Canaveral, and Huntsville, Alabama share some very interesting components in history. We make up part of the very close network of the NASA space program. And some of you may be very involved in the things that have gone on with NASA and the the ongoing work of um, our country in this particular area. There are four NASA events that really stand out in my mind over the last few years. The first is Apollo 11. And that predates some of you in this audience. You weren't alive when Apollo 11 flew its journey to the moon. When Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on July the 20th, 1969. That dates some of us who were there, who were watching. And so one thing I know about it, if you were alive in 1969, alive enough, old enough to recall those events, I know that you know where you were when that happened. It changed the world. 
But that's in a good way. There were some other things that were also not good. Yeah, when the eagle landed at Tranquility Base, that was a marvelous thing. But before we got to that point, there was another event that happened. It it began with Apollo 1. Two years earlier, January the 27th, 1967, Ed White, Gus Grissom, Roger Chaffee, were in the Apollo launch capsule when it caught fire and they burned to death. And three astronauts whose lives were rapidly taken from them are remembered. We mourned them, especially here in Huntsville. There are three schools dedicated to these men, their names, Then there was a third event, and this probably was the most visually spectacular of the events and probably the most traumatic also. On January the 28th, 1986, Challenger blew up in a fireball against a blue sky, and that imagery is something that is probably still a part of your mind as we watch the various components of that spacecraft come apart and fall back to earth. And in a moment, seven lives were snuffed out. Now ten astronauts lost their lives in the space program. One of those was a, a teacher in an attempt to promote space and the everyday ordinariness of it, it was decided to put a teacher in the space. So Miss McAuliffe was going to be the first civilian, truly not connected to the space program, person to be put into outer space. And 73 seconds after liftoff, Challenger ended. And then... Space Shuttle Columbia came apart across Texas, February the 1st, 2003. We watched on the news as the meteors in the sky drifted across. But unlike meteors typically that just burn up rapidly, these, these pieces just continued to fly across our, our nation as the pieces of that orbiter came apart and the debris scattered. And the nation was in mourning. And really, that was, that was almost the last call for our space program. As the nation went into mourning, that'll come back. But it wasn't the loss of those vehicles that was the problem. It wasn't the the amount of money that was lost in the orbiters. It wasn't the rockets that were lost. It wasn't the programs or the payloads. What make these tragedies is the people. We mourn people. If you've been to Washington, D.C. and you've walked on the mall there with all of the other monuments, there's a good chance that you have visited one that is a little different than the others. It's the most... Visited monument 
on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. And if you're thinking Abraham's, Lincoln's memorial, no. Washington Memorial, no. It's a long black wall. If you walk up to it, the first time you walk up to this wall, it's rather unassuming. When it was laid out and the idea for it was first given to the nation, it was somewhat controversial. And as people got to look at it, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of criticism that was done initially. Initially. But then it was put into place and it was laid out and it's understated grace begins to show itself. And people began to come to that Vietnam Wall. And they saw that that shining black surface. There's almost a ghost-like nature if you come up to that polished granite wall and begin to reach your hand out to it. You will see the reflection of your own hand. And it's like a ghost hand comes to meet you. Until the Park Service stopped collecting things, there were over 400,000 pieces of dedicated memorabilia that had been put at the wall that are now part of the permanent collection done by the Park Service. Because people had a, had a connection to this wall. All it is is this black stone with 58,000 names of men and women who were servicemen and who died Related to Vietnam. Just names. They're not in alphabetical order. There's some difficulty in in finding them and in, in addressing them, but it is proven to be a lasting and powerful memorial. The names of people. You've been there? How many have been to the wall? And you're struck as you read... Name after name after name after name. These were young men and women whose lives were given in those faraway places. We mourn people. And so when the early church starts looking at those around them, and we see Dorcas and a a community that surrounds her. And we see a community that draws together when Lazarus is dead, in John chapter 11. And we see the community that's that's affected by Stephen, and what happens to him, and James, and of course, our Lord, Jesus. A few moments ago, as we took the Lord's Supper, there are several components that make up our worship of God in that particular memorial. And one of them is that we remember the death of Jesus on the cross. We mourn people, mourn people. People celebrate people. People mourn people. And thirdly, people help people. Now there may be a program or a a concept or a, 
a work that draws our attention and our affection, but if you take the people out of it, what value would it be? Both the people who are serving it and the the people who will be served by it. When we talk about church, church is a people organization. It is a it is a people thing. What is the church? That's a good discussion question. What is the church? How many names would we how many things would we come up with? How many labels? What is the church? Well, the church is the body of Christ. The church is made up of those who are saved. The church is, and we would go on and have lots of conversation. How long would it be before someone would say, the church is people? Maybe you can remember growing up as a child doing this one. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and where are the people? And then you change it, right? Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and here are the people. Well, I'm not sure that that's entirely accurate in terms of how we, we present it because the, the idea coming is the, the beginning place is this is the church. Now, this is a building. That's not the church. Here's the church. The church is people. If you want to take a picture of the church, it's going to have to have people in it. It's going to be, pe- it's going to be only people. People help. The Lord said he would build his church, but you know what the church is built out of? Let's read together from 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil evil speaking. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what we're talking about this weekend, growing. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. What is Jesus? Jesus is described by Peter as a living stone. wonder how Peter came to that particular point of view, living stone. Of course, the apostles and their inspiration will be guided by the Lord in many ways. But you remember... As the Lord talked about the stone and had that conversation with Peter in Matthew chapter 16. On this rock, I'll build my church. Jesus now is described as a living stone. The next verse. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, now verse 5, as living stones are being built up. A spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Coming to him as a living stone, we as living stones, 
You want to see the Lord's work? It unfolds all over. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 16. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they followed, they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Men, names, people. Drop down a little farther, verse 29. As soon as they'd come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's wife, Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. They told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out demons, verse 35. In the morning, he went out for a departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. The story of Jesus is about people. If we kept reading all the way through, and you don't want to quit there. Some of you will keep reading in Mark. Go ahead. Go all the way through chapter 2, and you're going to find people after people after people after people after people, many of them named. People celebrate people, people mourn people, people help people. We will never grow as a body of the Lord into what God wants us to become until we understand that the center of everything that is related to the Lord's church is people. Those who are lost those who are around us, those who are a part of the body, those who are young, those who are weak, and we will grow together only when we understand that we see and understand people. I want to conclude with a children's song. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus died for all the children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. Jesus died for all the children of the world. Jesus rose for all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. What is the church about? What is the body about? What does it mean to be drawn together? How do we draw ourselves together in love and become what God wants us to be? And interestingly, Jesus would add this thought and say, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's grow up that body into the body that it can be, what God wants it to be, what God intended for it to be, 
by understanding that we grow the body together in love when we understand the place of people. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.